So as many of you know, in the countdown, I enumerated or titled my four last sermons, God, Torah, Israel, and Sinai, and this week is the second of the four final sermons, it's Torah. And I want to begin by telling you a story of a story. My brother, who was in for the gala and was able to return from a conference in San Diego this week, returned because he and I went to dinner at the home of two quite wonderful friends of ours, um, Isaac and Juan, who uh, not only gave us a beautiful dinner, but told us a great story. So Isaac and Juan, it turns out, found themselves sitting on either side of Rabbi Metzger, the chief rabbi of Israel, on a 10-hour flight. And they said while everybody else was going to sleep, Rabbi Metzger, for most of the time, was telling stories. And one of the stories that he told them was about the time he said the Pope visited Israel and was late for his engagement in Jerusalem. And many of you know, to get from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem is not always an easy task. And so his Israeli host said, we're gonna provide you with a police escort and we're gonna have the sirens and so on and we will get you there as quickly as possible. He said, great. He gets in the back of the car and they head off. And there are sirens and there are policemen and they're making their way through the traffic and the Pope is getting increasingly impatient because he's later and later, despite the best efforts of his driver and his entourage, and finally he says to the driver, pull over, I want to drive. The driver says, really? He goes, yes. So the driver pulls over, the Pope gets behind the wheel, and then he goes so fast and drives so crazily that he leaves the entourage behind and he's getting there and of course, inevitably, he gets pulled over. <laughs> and the policeman says, what are you, he goes, we have to make it to Jerusalem, we're late. And the policeman says, this is like above my pay grade, I'm calling my superior. So he gets him on the walkie talkie and he explains the situation and the guy says to him, well, if it's so important, who's in the car? And he says, Look, I don't know who the passenger is, but I can tell you this, the Pope is his driver. <laughs> so when they told us that story, and I was thinking about it later, it reminded me of a Jewish sort of version of that story, not quite, but you'll see the connection, I hope, later which is the story of the Balagala and the famous rabbi. A Balagala is a, char is a coach driver. Remember, before there were cars, there were coaches. And the coach driver and the rabbi are approaching this town, and of course, the rabbi's sitting in the back. And uh, the driver says, you know, if I when I come there, this is what always happens, rabbi. They will pay you great respect, as they should and they will give you a meal and a place to stay, and I'll be left sitting in the coach, and nobody will pay any attention to me, and I won't get fed, and I won't get, so I wonder if you could ask them to just take care of me, would that be okay? And the rabbi said, I'll do you one better. 
He said, stop before we get to the town. You get in the back. I'll get in the front, and I'll drive you. So that's what they do. And the rabbi's driving the coach, and the coach driver's in the back, and sure enough, they get to the town, and there's the famous rabbi, and everybody gathers around, and they're all excited, and the coach driver's having a great time, and he walks out, and he says, yes, bless you, you know. And finally, someone says, Rabbi, the reason we're so glad you've come is not just for the honor of your presence, but because we have been debating this question in the Talmud now for years, and we don't have anyone who's a great enough expert to give us the answer. The coach driver starts to get nervous. He says, well, what's the question? And they tell him the question. In fact, it's a Talmudic dilemma. And he thinks for a second about what to do, and he says, you know what? I'm ashamed of you. He says, that question is so easy, my coach driver can answer it. <laughs> now, why did I start with those stories? Because weirdly enough, that's what you get in the Torah. Who is Moses? Moses is a runaway who has a stutter or some kind of speech impediment. He's the coach driver. And yet, it turns out, he's the leader of a people. And he's not alone in this weird reversal. What about Joseph? Joseph is the younger brother. He's not supposed to be the special one, but he turns out to be the one who has dreams. And then he becomes a slave, he gets thrown into a pit, he gets thrown into prison, and he becomes viceroy to Egypt. The same thing is true of David. I don't know if you know this about David, but when Samuel comes to anoint David as the king of Israel, the first person that he gets introduced to when he comes to the home of Jesse, and it's a great honor, Samuel, who's the high priest, has come to my home, he introduces him to Eliab, who's a tall, handsome, strapping figure of a man, the oldest son. And Samuel is about to anoint him when God says, no, that's not the one. You don't see people the way I do, because you only see what's visible, but I, God, see into the heart. So Samuel says, next one, please. And he gives him the next, the next, all seven sons, which if you know the Torah, it's the perfect number, and none of them is the king. And finally, finally, Samuel says, you sure you don't have any more kids? And he goes, oh yeah, there's little David out back, tending the sheep. So he says, go get him. And he brings him in, and God says to Samuel, rise and anoint him, because this is the one. It's like the coach driver. It's like the guy who's in back, who turns out to be the Pope. It's the reversal. The same thing happens with Ruth. Who is Ruth? She's no one. She's the Moabite widow of an Israelite who left for Moab. She's nobody. And yet, she turns out to be the ancestress of the Messiah. Esther, her name means hidden. Esther is no one, and yet she saves the Jewish people. The Torah is about the secret self. Yes, it's about a guide to life and a family diary. It is a puzzle and a prod, but really it's about what goes on in every human soul.
We read it to get a sense of God in the world, but mostly because it traces all the paradoxes, all the darknesses, the lights that are inside of us. Which is why the Midrash says when God gave the Torah to Israel, everyone saw it as a mirror. They could see themselves in it. They could understand who they were by reading the stories of the Torah. The Greeks used to say about Plato that whatever road of life you walked down, you found him on the way back. And that's what the Torah is. It doesn't matter what happens to you in your life. There will be something in the Torah that can teach you about it, that can explain it to you, that can make you understand yourself and others better. And not only the good parts. One of the things that strikes someone who never really read the Torah, and I recommend it, by the way, is that there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of bad behavior. There's a lot of people doing terrible things that they shouldn't do. And when you ask yourself, why is this in the Torah? The answer is because it's in life. And the Torah is what the critic Alfred Kazin once called the novel. It's the great bright book of life. You'll find everything, no perfect people in the Torah. None of them, because I hate to say it, no perfect people in the congregation or among the Jewish people or in the world. And the Torah wants to teach you about who you really are, not who you pretend you are, not your mask, but who you really are. So when you see the people in the Torah showing their darknesses, you can say, oh my God. Sibling rivalry isn't new. People betraying isn't new. This is a book that really speaks to me. But also, we are sometimes glorious. We're also dreamers. We also have aspirations and hopes, and sometimes we get it right, and that's there too. Sometimes we ask for forgiveness and we are forgiven, and that's there too. Sometimes we need to appeal to something greater than ourselves because we've, only, we've gone as far as we could go, and that's there too. In Greek myths, Prometheus stole fire from the gods. And that's how human beings got the fire and the light that our bat mitzvah spoke about this morning. That's how the Greeks thought of it. Gods didn't want to give us fire, so Prometheus had to climb to the heavens and grab it from them and bring it back to earth. But you know the origin of fire? According to the rabbis, when Adam was created, Remember that the Torah says there was evening and there was morning. So Adam is created and then evening comes. And Adam is terrified because he's never seen a night before. And he doesn't know what darkness is. 
And he doesn't even think, oh my God, I'm going to die because he's never seen death. All he knows is that he is terrified. And God gives him two stones, Mavet and Aphelah, darkness and death. That's the name of the two stones. In other words, everything bad in the world, darkness and death, those are the stones. And tells Adam to strike them together, and he does, and he gets fire. And it warms his night and brightens his world. For us, God knows we have seen a lot of darkness in our history and way too much death. But out of that darkness and death, we struck the stones together and got the Torah. The rabbis call it black fire on white fire. It's fire in awful times, and it is fire in glorious times. It has kept us warm for thousands of years. May we continue, all of us, to study it so that its fire will be a light until the end of time.